Welcome to Galaxy Brands, the weekly podcast from Galaxy Research. Yo, we're back, ready to attack. Bitcoin's on the map. Yo, I'm filling up my stack while I'm killing with the rap. I'm bruising you in back, cause the beat will always slap. Yo, I'm slipping up a hill like there ain't no way to fall. I'm winging with the calls, telling Bim to give the ball. Get the rim when we begin, going higher, taco fall. This is Nakamoto ball. Hit the block and drop them all. People always ask me, dog, you rhyme, why? That's like asking Christian why he's the Bitcoin sign guy. It is obvious. Yo, the future is anomalous, but our present is an obelisk. Cause down is the opposite. I'm dropping it, hot and spit, ripping on the beat. I'm obnoxious with, stop it, kid. There's no way to defeat. Cause I'm deadly with the medley and with every single casualty. My ledger be expanding to the edges of the galaxy. As always, I'm your host, Alex Thorne, head of Firmwide Research at Galaxy Digital. Thank you for listening to Galaxy Brains. We have a great show for you today. Christian Langelis, CEO, founder of Tyrell Corporation, longtime Bitcoiner, Urbit advocate, and well-known Bitcoin sign guy is our guest. We're going to get deep into it with him about Bitcoin history, what he's building at Tyrell Corporation for the Lightning Network, and Urbit a new decentralized type of internet you may have heard of, but don't know much about. It's complicated, but we're going to get right into it. And of course, we're going to check in with our good friend Bimnet BB from Galaxy Trading, as always, to talk markets. Big, big Bitcoin moves have been happening over the last week. We'll get into it with him. Before we get to that, I need to remind you, please refer to the link to the disclaimer in the podcast notes and note that none of the information in this podcast constitutes investment advice or an offer recommendation or solicitation by Galaxy Digital or any of its affiliates to buy or sell any securities. Phineas, it's been a wild week, my friend. Uh, Bitcoin was trading at 38K, I think, the last time our show aired last week. It's now 44K. Fun to look back on the price in previous episodes. We were talking about it, of doing some sort of montage of Bitcoin price in the block lock behind you on your shoulder, above your shoulder. Uh, yeah, it's exciting. I know. It's been quite a run. Um, you know, we did the first episode of the year. I did a rent. The price was sixteen eight six eight over my shoulder. Yeah, um, and I said I'm gonna make 2023 the year of Bitcoin in that rap. That's right. Um, hey, one odd news piece I saw. This one's pretty funny. Um, Random it, news with Alex. <laughs> it's our new segment. Um, in New Jersey, the headline said New Jersey police chased down pig named Albert Einswein. It says uh, police in New Jersey engaged in a brief foot chase with an unusual fugitive, a pig. The Deptford Township Police Department said in a Facebook post that officers responded uh, to report a loose pig. The video shared by the department shows an officer chasing the pig into a road while trying to get a rope around its neck. Quote, we're all friends here, the officer tells the pig. Um, according to the department themselves, the pig was caught. He was fine. He got sent back to his his home. And the, they admitted sometimes the jokes just write themselves, right? So I don't know. <laughs> I want you to defend. Part of the segment should be you defending the selection of this piece of news oh, specifically. This, I thought. Well, <laughs> I think in this case, look, I'm not saying it. They're saying it. The joke writes itself. They're all friends here, right? You know, you, just imagine your local foot cop running after a wild hog down the street. It's just it's funny. That's I'm why. Imagining it. Although I will say both of these last two have been animal related. It's right? true. It's, I'm just I'm saying, you know, I guess we have a theme. I'll have to switch it up next time. Let's get right into the show.
Let's go to our friend Bimnet Abib from Galaxy Trading. As always, Bimnet, welcome to Galaxy Brains. Thanks for having me. It's been a wild week. Yes, we it we has. were 38k Bitcoin over the weekend, and we ran to 40k, and then we didn't stop running, and we ran to 44 thousand dollars. Currently, effectively there, 43.965 as we talk. But good gosh, what have you seen? Genuinely, I'm amazed at the price action, uh, but I think it speaks to convexity of thought, right? And the positive, you know, feedback loop that positive price action has. And so, put differently, people start to FOMO the higher the price goes, and the rationale associated or attributed to, to why the price is going starts to make more and more sense or gets more and more validated as price continues to increase. Mm. Uh, and so, you know, I, I think what you're seeing is basically all of the merits of Bitcoin and the positive catalysts that, that are coming becoming more and more evident to more and more people. And it's coming at a time when broader risk markets are trading really well. It's coming at a time when, uh, you know, the Fed is, is likely to going to be cutting um, and not putting a drag on, on, on financial market, <laughs> markets. Um, and it comes at a time that's before the ETF and the happening. And so there's just a lot of pieces that, that are coming together. And I think folks are probably still dramatically underestimating the amount of flows that are just going to come into this product once an ETF is there. Basically, for 14 years of Bitcoin's existence, it's been one of the hardest products to own ever or to trade, right? Like you go on your Coinbase the, the, you know, or whatever app you're on, the spreads are ridiculous, custodying it, not being sure whether the place you're custodying it really has your tokens, not being sure the exchange is real, right. right? Not being able to get financing or borrowing. There's so many things that get solved, right? You, you enter into the, the ecosystem that is all of these, you know, retirement funds that, you know, just accumulate assets, all these passive flows. Um, and then lastly, and most importantly, like, like the biggest people in the world are telling you that this is a real asset and it belongs in your portfolio. I don't care who the hell you are. When Larry Fink gets on fucking TV and tells you it's a safe haven and is about to launch a huge product. And you're about to need it. I don't it. care who you are, how smart you are. That man has $10 trillion in assets under management. Yeah. He speaks, you listen. Yeah. And so I think there's just been a complete paradigm shift in the thinking around crypto. And rightfully so. And now people are like, oh shit, Bitcoin's at 44K. And I'll tell you how hard it is in this market. I, I'm a Bitcoin bull. Uh, I've been one. Yeah. And everybody can listen to the podcast going back a year. They know. Uh, they know Alex Thorne is an OG Bitcoiner. <laughs> I mean, goes, right. goes way, way back. And we're still shocked at this price yeah. action a little bit. But in theory, it's so crazy. It's like, why are we so scared of our thesis being right? Right. This is the manifestation of like all that we have been talking about for years, just manifesting itself on price. Yeah. And like it's gonna continue. Like, why won't why couldn't you be at 60k in two weeks? No, you could. Right? I personally don't like assets that rush up in value that no, much. No, I agree. You want to settle a bit. That's settle. what was nice in the However, 30s, right? We yeah, sort of exactly. like gained steam, steam, ground up, but built a better base down there. Yeah. But now it's just it it it's getting a little uncomfortable. Um, but I don't think that's going to deter people. Yeah. It might encourage more and more of them, to be honest with you. Uh, but 
you know what? The last thing I want to touch on, or not the last, but one of the things I want to touch on is uh, it's just the, the the supply side dynamics, right? Like you've talked about how much yeah. supply hasn't moved in over a year. It's like eighty percent. Eighty percent. Yeah, that doesn't happen. That in, doesn't in happen. financial assets. Yeah, the float of this thing is really small. Yeah. And like, I just don't know. Like, there, there's going to be an inflection point in the flow that takes it you just to tips it all the just way. Just tips it all the way over, where there's just no offer side liquidity. Could that come at like three billion of, of incremental flow? Could that come at six? Well, I'm not sure. Right. But if we're talking about an ETF product that's likely going to draw at least ten billion in assets, like you're gonna, it's gonna happen. So one thing I looked at along these lines was the, you know, if you look on like Glassnode or, or other tools, you can mm. see the long-term holder supply versus the short-term holder supply. And you can bucket that any way you want. You can yeah. Call it. I think if, for that specific metric, they say 155 days held or longer. That's long-term, 155 days or shorter. And they have a methodology for why they picked that. But you could look at any time frame. You could say a year yeah. versus, you know, within moved la last three months, whatever it is. Um, the long-term holders are still accumulating. They're going up at every of the last two, like December yeah. 2017 and fall 2021 um, bull market tops. Those long-term holders eventually sell to short-term holders and they dip, right? Which makes sense, right? Yeah. They say because the market is searching, it has demand from new entrants, and it's searching for a price at which the long-term holders will give it to them. Correct. You haven't seen any decline. You see a continued increase in long-term holder uh, supply, which to me tells me that, well, it absolutely says, well, we're definitely not at the top. Like, because no, long-term holders yet. did not hold. And Imagine if you even bought higher than this or even bought lower than this. You didn't hold hold through everything we just went through oh. the last two years. And then you're like, you know what? Dump at 43K, that's my number. Hell no. Who's selling hell, at these levels? Hell no. Right. Like, it doesn't I, make sense. doesn't make any sense. And, uh, and you can see it also in exchange balances and a variety of other metrics. We're just not there yet. And to your point, there are plenty of reasons for it to go higher. There's narrative events. There's uh, market access vehicles. The actual supply shocks. Actual supply things happening. So um, it's an exciting time. And historically, I mean, I think a lot of assets, especially, you know, ones with as much frenzy as, as crypto and Bitcoin, like you – typically top with a blow-off top candle. Right. Like, with a blow-off. Like, it moves 10,000 points in a day, and it's right. like, oh, my God, we're just, this is going to infinity. You haven't really haven't had that moment yet. No. And you're not even at all-time highs. I mean, the price action from 28 to 35, and then the grind that we did for, like, two and a half weeks where we just sort of grinded up to 40, that was one of the most bullish charts I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. Mean, it was, like... It was mo it was flat. It was a tight, relatively tight range, but not actually flat. Just slightly higher and higher and higher. But like clear trend, higher I mean, just, lows, higher highs. Just high, true yeah. channel. Um, it shows significant ongoing bid, right? And we know where some of it's coming from. We've seen sailor in the market. We've seen retail aggregators. Yep. Um, and and the other thing that I like about this is that you know we know this anecdotally from our business. Like, there's not a lot of institutions in yet. There, you can see that there's some institutional money. If you look like CME, shows yeah. us that we think those are consistently high but, basis. But we know, oh, I know a lot like. of institutional traders that yeah. like this asset class, maybe even have traded it in the no, past, and I they're mean, not in yet. I was speaking, and the pain traded for them is higher. Yeah, I was speaking to a shop today that managed over ten yards or ten billion dollars in money, and they still can't touch it. Right. Um, and so, but I know, even mean of the ones I know can touch it. Many of them are just not back yeah. yet, and, and they're not in real size. And you know what's the crazy part is. All of those folks, had they had a small allocation to Bitcoin this year, 
I mean, they'd be crushing their peers. I mean, if you bought at the beginning of the year, at the be- oh, you're up 150%. Or even at any point this year. This really, at any the, point. The, at the, That's true. With, That's a, with a small portion of your portfolio, it would have been yeah. risk-reducing. We've done the math on that. Enhancing. It is. And again, uh, well, I was, it's so crazy. I mean, in this meeting today, I was just like, it's just, the guy was like, it's so hard to ignore this thing. It's up 150%. Wait until it happens year. again. That's what I'm saying. I, let's like, say you have the mandate to do it. You're one of the funds that actually can already gain access, and you haven't. This cycle, we hit. Let's say we hit fifty, just for simple math. Like yeah. you're telling me that in just the last three months, you missed a sixty-five percent move in an asset you're bullish on, that you have a mandate to invest in. It's Wake insane. up, portfolio up. managers! This thing is not. I know. And by the way, I say this. It might feel like you're late, but like we're saying, they're not. People aren't here yet. I agree. Look at the Google searches. No, no, no. yeah. There's oh, it's, nothing. It's got room to go. Yeah. That's well, what I mean. He, he, the, the, so I think you're you're hitting on an interesting point where you've you've kind of flipped um, in in the sense that let's say at the start of this year, right? If you're a risk manager trying to get crypto into a portfolio, when you go up to your you know your board or your you know whoever makes the the final decisions, you know it used to be that you like. Like it was more risk than it was worth. Right. Right. Like they, like if you're a treasury manager or like somebody managing a large pool of money, like why are you going to stake your reputation on on this thing? And now it's like why didn't you? Right. And so the the tables have so turned. Oh, they have. That, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. They really have. I mean, yeah, again, no, like, it, and, and it will be more we're true. We're just even talking about Bitcoin. Like, there's so much else going on in crypto right now. So many. There really is, things. but but it's like it's not even relevant. I like, mean, in like, the context of, of there is Bitcoin. interesting stuff. Yeah. Well, let's save it for another day because no, this, the Bitcoin move I, it really did. I mean, even last week, I think you rightly said, and I've said too. That like you know it'd be reasonable for us to have a, a healthy little dip here. It's been we've been grinding higher. We're up huge. Like I still think that. By the way, I don't think. Yeah, no collections happen in bull trends all the time. Yeah. Yeah, and and that's that's good. I think that helps solidify a base and stuff. So I mean, you're you not see wrong. it happen in alts all the time. I mean, you <laughs> literally. Had- like you had uh, it was like a twenty percent correction a couple of days ago. Yeah, and, and pretty much everything. Yeah. Bitcoin went down like one percent. Yeah, I mean like the the, the Bitcoin DeFi tokens. I've yeah. had a big correction last right, night. Right, right, right. Like I'm like, oh my god, and now they're back up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're they're like levered, right? I mean, almost everything in this space is effectively levered Bitcoin, right? Like everything. It is, I agree. From a beta standpoint. Yeah, except stable coins. Yeah, except stable coins. <laughs> you know what? That was that stable coin that so went to three exits. Oh yeah, he said. Yeah, I don't know what it was. But it the, was like the new euro sta- stable. There's that a euro Binance stable launched. that like was trading at three dollars instead of one dollar or three yeah, euros instead whatever. of whatever. Yeah. Things can get <laughs> wacky out there. Um, look, let's wrap it here because it's. I, I, I still feels like a Bitcoin story. Um, Long and, live the corn. Yeah, Bimnetta BB from Galaxy Trading, my friend. Thank you as always. Let's go now to our guest, Christian Langelis, Bitcoiner, known as Bitcoin Sign Guy, and also founder of Terrell Corporation, which is building a lot of stuff, uh, including a new implementation for the Lightning Network. Christian, welcome to Galaxy Brains. Thank you for having me. I've wanted to have Christian on for a while. I've known Christian for a while at this point. We're also going to talk a a bit about Urbit, which um, we'll get into even what that is. I don't even want to preface it. But Christian, you've been involved and interested in Bitcoin for a long time. And as I mentioned, uh, you you did a publicity stunt, and I apologize, you must have to start every podcast you do with this discussion, but you did a publicity stunt where you held up a famous buy Bitcoin sign that you had scrawled, it looked like, um, you know, in, you know, average, you know, millennial young male's handwriting. It, it was scrawled. <laughs> buy sure. Bitcoin. It was for sure. With a Sharpie, scrawled. and you held it up 
behind, at the time, then, I believe, Federal Reserve Chairwoman Janet Yellen during congressional testimony. And that is a, that's a pretty potent long-term Bitcoin meme. Thank you. Well, <laughs> thank you. For <laughs> what made you decide to do introduction. that? Well, I, the summer prior, I was working at a global macro hedge fund and they're always glued to the tube when the Fed chair is speaking. So it was really just my hello, look at me. I'm on TV. That's funny because you must have been at the fund and been like the Bitcoin, the young Bitcoin guy that was like telling them about Bitcoin. They're yeah, like, they, okay, whatever. They didn't take me too seriously. But that must they must have thought that was funny. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> I mean, that was the, the final straw for going all in on Bitcoin. I grew up thinking that markets were real. And then you work at enough places like that and you realize, in fact, they are fake. And the, it's just all reflexivity over the dot plot. And there's, uh, there's no true free market element to it. Are you telling me that the Federal Reserve manipulates the price of money? <laughs> Causing... <laughs> Neither confirm nor deny. But I thought it was the business cycle. Mm. <laughs> Controversial ideas there. So, um, Christian, tell me about Urbit. Let's do a bit of a discussion on Urbit because you introduced me to Urbit. Um, That's right. You gave me yeah. my first planet. Way back in the day. Yeah. So let me try to set this up and then you're going to correct me, which I mo will sorely need. Let's do it. It's an alternative implementation of sort of basic internet architecture. Is that right? Yes. It's a refounding of personal computing. So let's break that down a little bit. You have, I don't know, today I've got a computer, physical mm -hmm. computer. I maybe send requests over TCP to like, or I query a DNS server to find a website and then the website serves it from cent some centralized mm -hmm. server down TCIP to my IP address. And yeah. like, like, how is it different than that? Well, right now your devices are mostly or I should say entirely clients to external servers. So, so they just call data elsewhere. That's right. Yeah. So the real thing is that the internet as we know it is, yes, TCP, IP, but also Unix. And the internet as the general suite of products that we think of when we think of using our computers in a networked way was built up over the course of at least 30 years. Right. And frankly, you know, there's there was, of course, some uh, sort of chaotic order to it in that the internet lets us accomplish uh, unimaginable things these days. I, I, we definitely like the internet sure. at Urbit. Uh, that being said, Given that it was built at uh, built across time, the way that the system fits together is, I wouldn't say maybe disharmonious is a too strong of a word, but certainly it is not easily cognizable in the mind of a single engineer, uh, much less user. Yeah, so it's a little bit of a Frankenstein's monster with like layers and pieces all sort of built on top of itself. The complexity is so vast that basically nobody, no single person can understand how they relate to their network. It's so interesting. So is the, then the idea of Orbit is to say, okay, we know what we like as an end state. Was there a better way to get there? Correct. It, it's truly just 
a distillation of what has been revealed as the core purposes of the internet. Right, which we didn't really know when they started, right? We well, did not know. ARPANET was like an emergency email service for like Stanford and like, I don't know, wherever else, like uh, some government and research locations, right? Yes, and indeed. That and now it's, you know, now we got dog uh, money and, and like, you know, TikTok videos. <laughs> Correct. Now so, we know that that's the core use for the internet, dog money and TikTok videos. That's what the internet is for. And so Urbit takes a whole inventory of, of what we'd like to do with computers and tries to boil it down into just a diamond-perfect system that ultimately will never need to be updated again. So it's actually Kelvin-versioned, which means the versions go down rather than up, which means that, sort of like Bitcoin, it has this tendency toward ossification, and obviously that's a benefit to simplicity, tractability, legibility. So just from the pure, like, sort of network architecture, maybe we'll just start with, like, the the, the lingo, the mm -hmm. terminology, right? So sure. you, you have planets and sure. what, galaxies? So, er, <laughs> galaxy. Gal did someone say galaxy? <laughs> uh, Urbit is two or maybe you could say three primary components. There is an OS, we call it Arvo, that is a kernel, an interpreter, kernel modules for doing all of your computational uh, tasks, timers, file system, build system, etc. And then you have a network, which is stringing those OSs together. And then you also have the third, we call the network, uh, well, actually there's a two network protocols now, but we'll just call it AIMS. And then there's a third component, which is called Azimuth, which is basically the, the namespace of Urbit, and that's where you get those names. I don't know if you saw that viral tweet <laughs> yesterday, yeah. uh, Gloop Glorp. Gloop Glorp. <laughs> yeah. Mine's um, Dastit Witcham. Yeah, Pindet Timut. That's me. <laughs> that's my, like, DNS name, basically, the, on Urbit. The point of those names is that they're human legible. But they're uh, unique. But they're not human signifying. And right. they're And, yes, they are also unique. Right. They're not largely rivalrous. I see. It's because, not like, oh, because, mine's better than yours. Yeah. Or are, I'm not going to get, like, Google.com. There, there happen to be a few names that are that do actually turn into English words. Because they, like, came English out, words. like, kind of legit, and now people like those ones? Yeah. There's a bunch of masters, and so people go after those. Interesting. There's a lot of uh, blank, blank, pilled, pilled. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh... Orange pilled. I don't know what it I've been after, uh, been red pilled. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I don't know. So Osama bin Redfield. It, it, <laughs> it is literally a new topography, computing and network topography, right? And it does it use so it so doesn't right, use t, it, it has to go through the same yeah, so series of tubes great, that is the internet, right? Great question. So right now we call it an overlay OS. So you install Arvo as a virtual machine on your Unix device, whether that's uh, most likely just something running in the cloud. It could be AWS, uh, uh, GCP, yep. uh, or it could be a physical device. So there's a node in a box company cool. for Urbit called Native Planet. They probably have the nicest looking personal node uh, on the market, metal 
enclosure. Very nice. Love it. I have Shout a, out to them. That sounds awesome. I do actually love, even when it comes to Bitcoin, some of the standalone node products I've had many over the years. Yeah. They're I, just easy. I had the Casa node back in the day. Me too. I, I mean, it's a, tr it's a troubled category because it's a category so far ahead of its time. I personally think that the personal node for that to really take off, well, it will start as a luxury product when people have some, now. some luxury need. And it's like, oh, you're, you're just using the cloud or you're using the public internet. That's like... Oh, you don't have your own that's, Urbit that's Planet like box? riding a crowded subway car. Yeah. Uh, not that I didn't r ride the subway here. Right, to be of clear. course. But the once it becomes a luxury product, I think that it'll work better. But long term, whoever makes... Modems, Motorola. I don't know who makes those things. I don't know, like Netgear. Yeah, I think that that's where I ne think ne too. Ne Netgear is a, a hyperstitional Urbit company. I, I think that's right. I also thought that was true for even Bitcoin standalone nodes. That the router, like right, you, you don't want to always keep plugging in more devices, but it makes a lot of sense for your network router or your cable modem. Sometimes for the same device to have these computing things in them, whether it's a Bitcoin full node or an Urbit node. By the way, you can run Bitcoin on Urbit, right? Yeah, you can, Urbit you, can, coin. you can also run Urbit on an Umbral. Yeah, oh, can you? Because I have that Umbral. That's, yeah. the, that's the one I use now, the Umbral Home. Yeah, they... So uh, that's a very high-quality device with, very high with quality. A, like lots of compute and, yeah. Yeah, shout out to the Umbral team. So, I look, I don't want to be bombastic and say something like, Personal server revolution. That would be the most memefied I think that, version of it. Yeah. But I think we're maybe at the at the prehistory to a personal server let's, revolution. Let, let's go a little bit there with the vision of it, because what I hear when I learn about and am told about Urbit is a more user-centric, decentralized internet. One where you can run your own personal server, right? And you can connect more organically with the rest of the web rather than basically just sending a line into Comcast and saying, please send me my website data. Well, yes, it's that you're connecting more organically or dare I say rhizomatically in a more distributed fashion. However, I think that perhaps to, to put a more political word on it, you could say uh, you you engage with the internet as a first class citizen and not really as a cock or a surf on someone a, else's a surf, yeah. uh, not as a digital surf on someone else's right someone else's data silo. Because I don't think people realize like the internet broadly is a big giant word. It's about it's, five computers. Yeah, and it, 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 <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's you got the it's Google, it's, yeah. Amazon, Facebook, and then and then like you have a category like the DNS like. Right, you have the occasionally you get a DDoS attack on like a major DNS server. There's like one in New Hampshire, I forget. It's like a huge. It does like domain name service and resolution for like most of the East Coast's like um, internet clients. So like you, you can just like take that down, and then like when you type Google.com, like it doesn't go anywhere because the, there's no server saying because that's not how the internet works. It doesn't use domain names. It uses TC IP addresses. And it needs to ask the DNS server what IP address goes to Google.com right now for this person. Um, and that does make you unbelievably beholden to, like, these – that's not even – that's, like, basic architecture that's not even – you don't need that. Like, you don't need the DNS server. I could just theoretically go to, like, any 
the IP address that is serving a web front end, like an mm -hmm. HTTP front end. That's right. It's just that that's not human readable. So we rely on these like intermediaries. So yeah, it, it's more self-sovereign version of the internet. That's a popular word for it. I like that. So how does that interact with Bitcoin or, or it, it was it, mm. how did you get interested? First right. of all, I mentioned that there is a Bitcoin client on Urbit, right? Yes, I perhaps directly responsible for that. Yeah, Urbitcoin. <laughs> I call it, I call it the Urbitcoin project. Yeah. I ultimately, or I first came to Urbit via Bitcoin. I was living out in SF and working at a Bitcoin fund. And my social circle actually became the Urbit crowd because Urbit actually, and this is a digression, actually has a broader cultural surface than any other crypto project, mainly because it is general purpose computing. You know, right. there's, there's space for people who aren't, excuse me, crypto bros or crypto nerds yeah. to, to get into it. So very strong non-financialized uh, non interest in Urbit. Right. And this became my social scene in San Francisco. And then you realize the, the completely, the depth of this, call it cypherpunk roots yeah. of Urbit. And I quickly recognized it's obvious that it is the most complementary system to Bitcoin and other public blockchains. So would you say that it is the the true decentralized world computer? It has no there isn't to be well, clear, there's well, no there, blockchain. Well there is no it, and there's no token. But the the compute is decentralized. Yeah. So obviously it's it's the I bristle at the word democratization of compute, but yeah. it is what people mean if they would like this, say that. This sounds to me like, I hate to say this, but I'm going to say it. it sounds like Web3. It sounds like a true, another version, a whole other instantiation of what people think Web3 could be, right? It's a whole different way for the web to work. It's is it Web5, Web4? It can't <laughs> be Web5. I think Square has Web5 locked down. But. You know, oddly <laughs> enough, we actually, the, the, the true irony and this goes back to the architecture of the internet. Curtis started working on Urbit in 2002. Yeah. So this that was before the Web 2 revolution. True. And the reason why he started working on it then was basically you could, if you have, uh, it's like looking at the framing of a house and you can tell if it's going to be a good house or a, a bad house just based on how it's framed. Mm -hmm. uh, there's... There's a certain teleology to internet architecture. And you could tell in 2002 that, okay, AOL won, mm -hmm. Eternal September cascaded upon, I, I can't say us because I wasn't really using the computer back then, but th there was a certain transparency to the way that the internet would... Uh, resolve to be these large you could megacorps. You could see it even then. You could see it even then. And yeah. that was that's pre-Facebook. That's right. you know, that it, is pre-Facebook. I think Facebook's about 2003, three, four. Mm -hmm. Um but that was and that was really pre-Amazon as anything other than like a bookseller. Yeah. Right? Um yeah. I mean from from that early point you could tell, okay, 
So there was this a is, need. This is beyond dealing with networked applications is beyond the comprehension of the average user, even perhaps the average developer. So in some ways, it's you have this highly decentralized but limited original ARPANET internet, right? I mean, it's messaging, basically. And it theoretically was like in the case of a nuclear war, right? It was, it was like supposed to be highly resilient, but it had no features. And then that, that just expands. First, then you get bulletin boards and eventually email. And then you get the AOL 1.0 in the 90s that kind of like actually makes it consumer friendly to do something, but it's totally centralized. Right, but then they add IM, and then you, you end up getting into the Web two revolution, where that once highly distributed and decentralized experience, which did have poor user experience, it was, of course, it was like scientists only. Yes, well, <laughs> but you end up with this extremely centralized, but good user experience, and now you wonder: is there a way to, dare I say, return? Retavern, retavern, yeah, we, retaverning to tradition, right? Yeah. To like, but now we have better technology, so and we know what the end state we want. Yes. We know that we we do want social media, we do want distributed, you know, applications. We know what a lot of them are, it, but most people only realize that because of the abuses of the last decade, because of loss of privacy, lapse of just user sovereignty. Everyone online attempting to start any type of organic social or business operation is quickly confronted by the fact that you can't really start an intentional community online without being completely at the mercy of right. uh, your host. So I think it's been said by some urban person, you can't, you wouldn't try to start an intentional community at the Marriott. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, because you, you have to use Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or, or, Discord. or Discord or Discord. Telegram. Or, I mean, right, there is no um, – but what about – okay, so just as an aside, it's not directly related, but it's similar like Mastodon or like Blue Sky is what, what – uh, is that – Yep. Like do those – Blue Sky, yeah. Attempts, additional – they're indicative attempts. of the same demand, yeah. right? All of – I would say all of those recent – Or, um, or um, Noster. Farcaster, Noster. I would say all of those projects indicate the interest in sovereign compute. However, unfortunately, uh, for those projects, and not entirely unfortunately, you know, they'll they'll get some adoption, but they don't resolve the question of general purpose compute. They Just are social. Th those applications are single applications, and so far they're mainly just single applications. And in the ICO craze, you saw certain people try to replicate some of those applications entirely on blockchains, and the obvious flaw with that is that it it's too much to... <laughs> put everyone's compute right. into a single thread. Yeah. You can't you can't feasibly do that. You wouldn't want to do that for privacy reasons, but right. It that's a non-starter scaling wise. Even even with the far uh, extent of say zero knowledge or uh, take the best scaling yeah. tricks you have up your sleeve, it's still unworkable. Why would you want to clear 
the dog photo you're sending to your mom on a, a global ledger. Yeah, I think that's right. I think about that sometimes with payments. So maybe, um, maybe this may be a good transition, but when mm. sometimes people say, um, dude, why didn't you, oh, you love Bitcoin. Why didn't you buy that thing in Bitcoin? I'm like, well, there's a couple answers to that. But one of them is like that coffee with layer one Bitcoin, like I don't need my coffee purchase preserved in all perpetuity on the digital stone tablet that is the Bitcoin blockchain. Like it's, it just doesn't rise to that level of fidelity required. Correct. Um, but people do like to spend Bitcoin using something that is off chain or more ephemeral, like the lightning network. That's right. Maybe this is a good transition. How did you, what is Terrell Corporation? And, and maybe before we go, actually, how did you decide to found it and what is it, right? Sure. So I was working at Talon Corp. Which every, is an Urbit every, company. If, you, if you're starting an Urbit company, there's sort of a meme where we all, in, in maybe a post-ironic fashion, we all call our companies just blank corporation. I know. It's kind of funny. It reminds me of... Um, it's the hacker show uh, that they had for a while on FX. Um, Phineas, you know what I'm talking about, that, that hacker show? Um, where it's like Evil Corp? <laughs> Evil Corp. I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, the, well, either way, that's embarrassing that there's I can't a, remember. There's another Urbit company, recent, more recent startup called Death to the Corporation. That's pretty good. <laughs> so so I was working at Talon. They were the first. They are the first corporate champion of the Urbit project, Curtis founded. Mr. Robot, yeah, thanks. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Curtis founded Talon sort of as the, as a corporate sponsor right. of the Urbit project. Right. And then working there, I wanted to go full-time on just payment technology for Urbit, hmm. make Urbit more commercially capable. And so I created Terrell Corp, which our original, I, I made the Bitcoin wallet in-house at Talon mm -hmm. for, for Urbit. And then we at Terrell uh, created credit card payments for Urbit. So uh, last year we released a sub stack for Urbit that's self-hosted, but it had credit card payments. And cool. so now whether the writing is on the wall for those centralized fiat payment systems, uh, that's another question, but we have created the next one of very few uh, full Lightning implementations on Urbit. So you have LND, C Lightning, Async, and now we have Volt, which is the Hoon implementation of the Lightning Network. Cool. So Urbit has a very much uh, we're, we're a little chauvinistic in that we demand <laughs> we, we try to we try to refound all of the code <laughs> that we use on from scratch. Urban, basically, yeah. it is from scratch computing. Yes. So Terrell is primarily doing payments, and we are yeah we are releasing our Lightning Network uh, spec in I think the next week. So now I can instead of doing in C or in um, um, in Rust, I can use a Hoon based Lightning implementation on my Orbit planet. That's through right. the Urbit internet. Yes. yes. Yep. Very and cool. so we we replicate a handful of the bolts. So one one caveat I should mention is that we are we still use LND to bridge to the external lightning network. And that is because 
Urbit networking is far more efficient than LND or or C Lightning. Uh, we don't have because Urbit networking is more sound and atomic. There is less need for things like say say uh, sending heartbeat messages or s- stuff like that. So we don't replicate every single aspect of Lightning network networking. I see. To connect to the broader existing Lightning network, yes. you have to basically like downgrade to go back through like an, another implementation. Right. But you can still bridge it, but... It is basically a bridge, though, right? Because, like, I'm assuming that if you and I are both on Orbit, though, and we have a channel with each other, like, yeah, we don't have that, to go through anything. Yeah, that, yeah. Do, that doesn't touch the... It's just trying to make the, the Orbit the network. Earth lightning network, right. as we call it. Interesting. You stay on Mars. So, <laughs> and my, my attitude on that is I personally foresee, because adding a lightning node to your Orbit is basically one command... It will be preferred by people long-term as their default lightning node. And by node count, you know, will... I Personal forecast is that Urbit will be the majority of lightning nodes by count, not perhaps by volume, in, I think you'd think, in a couple of years. Interesting. So it's like, would you say it's... Is it just better and easier for an individual... You think is that it's running on a computer that is that is a personal server, right? It's meant for this type of stuff. It's mm-hmm. not it's not an app you're running on a general Windows based laptop or something like that, right? Which the the trouble there is that operating a personal server in the Unix paradigm is generally something that is a, a specialist's it's task. Hard. Yeah. I mean, even this is, I think, one of the reasons why we've seen those personal nodes, right? Because they're just simpler. Mm-hmm. They let you do it more simply. There's right. a trust trade-off theoretically there, right. right? But it's simpler. And so this this doesn't just apply to Lightning, I should hasten to point out. So we've been working on Lightning because I'm a Bitcoin, uh, dare I say, maximalist, at least descriptively, if not prescriptively. Yeah. And there are other projects to create different front ends for different blockchain protocols. Like someone made Uniswap and Gnosis Safe. Yep. Et cetera. Gnosis Safe, yep. Safe. So things so like from a multi-sig. Th- things like that. So it is general, right? That, I mean you can that build becomes, anything. Basically. That becomes quite important. I regulatory matters are not my strongest reason for adopting Bitcoin, but that's certainly a popular that will become a popular reason why people will adopt a personal server approach to interfacing with blockchain networks is because I see. you will just run your front end on your own machine. I see. I see your point about like DeFi front ends and stuff. Yeah, That's that right. makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So front ends in general. Yeah. 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 For anything, I guess, to your point. I mean, even like um, it is bringing the internet back home, right, to you You're not and try not to rely on this, you know, single pipe through the ISP to the DNS to the big corp. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that in the meantime, you can't have second-order second relationships on Urbit. You can still get useful services from other Urbits, but the system is laid out in a more right. conducive manner. Of course. Manner. It's not like you're going to do everything yourself. It is a network, so you can interact with any other planet right. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that planet, could that planet be a Google, right? I mean, it, it could Sure, be. why, it could why be not? I mean, 
if any megacorp uh, executives are out there listening, I, I will help you transition your organization to the post hyper urbanized world. Yes. <laughs> I love that. A clearing call. Um, okay. Before we wrap, um, I did want to point out, um, wait, do you mean, do you mean wrap up or do you mean, <laughs> are you about to wrap? No, I'm not about to wrap. Um, I gotta do that on a different take. Um, I do want to ask you, Christian, where you see the maybe the future of, of Bitcoin in particular, not Urbit necessarily. I don't mean that it won't be on Urbit. I mean, even more broadly, what is your world, your Bitcoin worldview long term? Does this, are you in the camp that it replaces fiat currencies? Does mm. it replace a gold like asset? What is your bull case for Bitcoin? Wow. Well, I don't, it's funny, ever since I, got into Urbit, people ask me that question less and less. So I would say I think we're due for a, a lengthy monetary interregnum because in the meantime, Bitcoin in, in many ways strengthens the dollar as its fiat counterpoint through stable coins. So I, you know, I'm, I'm probably not that savvy of a person to answer that question, but that's that's my view. I before I was at Terrell Corp, I studied with George Selgin and Larry White, who are the proponents of yeah, free, free banking. banking. So I would I would love to see a more I guess laissez faire banking system result from blockchain technology. It'd be great. I mean, we have an extremely centralized banking system, and and I don't just mean. So I think I think internationally it it could it could, could decentralize. Happen. Yeah, outside the U.S. You mean? Yeah. To 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 some degree. Yeah. Uh, probably via stable coins, but that's just turning turning things more in a more crypto native direction. So I sort of see things turning crypto native as sort of the the pre processing to then them ultimately migrating to a self-hosted computational architecture. Oh, interesting. So you think that perhaps part of the path to Urbit adoption is through financial decentralization first? And that, so Car like caring, about, caring about the how sacrosanct your data is, is certainly, dare I say, a, a form of grooming. <laughs> For, for Urbit, terrible word, but I think it. I think it applies. Interesting. It, it it conditions the mind of the marginal adopter to to think critically about who's running their applications, what what their recourse is to adverse events, etc. Also, to maybe this is leaping ahead, but. You know, there. I don't think crypto is actually the biggest, certainly not the biggest story of 2023. The advent of AI is upon us suddenly again. It's it's big, and having inference on a machine that is entirely your own is going to become, I think, a true a true luxury. To go back to my point. Earlier, earlier. Can Urbit save us from Skynet? Is that what you're suggesting? Urbit could certainly run a personal AI and store all your data 
whether you're using a, a centralized uh, model or whether you're training your own model on your own tastes and preferences and all your information, I would I would say that there's no there's no other place that you could really ideally run run such a thing, especially if you want to deputize your computer with computational tasks uh, of, of any significant financial import. So I would like to be able to verbally tell my computer to make a Bitcoin transaction and to trust that it gets executed that way. I would love way. that. Hey, Siri, you know, yeah. open a channel with Christian. <laughs> we, I... <laughs> Do you guys have I, a name for a for I, a bit Siri? I, I won't tell you what we're naming it. Oh, but you do. You've thought of this. <laughs> I love that. Um, this has been great. I think there's so much to learn about Urbit. It truly is a fascinating rabbit hole if you're interested in the future of the internet and and also, of course, issues of self sovereignty, decentralization, privacy, security. Um, it is an old project. It's been around now. If it said it was founded in 2002, that's right. I mean, it, it took a long time to bring it to a. Yeah, minimum viable state. But it That's, is there now. It's it's definitely there now. It's certainly the UX on Urbit certainly will be able to meet, say, the expectations of crypto people who already are accustomed to jumping through hoops. So certainly the the early adopters will have a more Spartan attitude, but undoubtedly the UX required for mass adoption is is in the works and at that point because it's a completely distributed network it's it scales linearly right you know you just spin up more urbits uh one urbit per person so or or you can have multiple but sure it it is ready to to scale whenever people are ready to adopt it at the at the rate of adoption Christian Langelis, founder of Terrell Corporation, my friend from Connecticut. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. That's it for this week's episode of Galaxy Brains. Thanks to our guest, Christian Langelis and Bimnet Abibi, as always. Hey, if you're interested in Urbit and trying it out, reach out to me on Twitter at IntangibleCoins or email me research at galaxy.com. Christian has kindly agreed to help anyone get set up with their own Urbit planet. That is the home server you can run. Um, very cool, definitely worth trying out. That's it for this week, and we'll see you next week. Have a safe weekend. Thanks for listening to Galaxy Brains, the weekly podcast from Galaxy Research. If you enjoy the show, please like, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. To follow Galaxy Research, sign up for our weekly newsletter at gdr.email, read our content at galaxy.com research, and follow us on Twitter at GLXY Research. See you next week.